0: hey guys lauren here welcome to the ink feather podcast if this is your first time let me tell you a little bit about it i love reading fantasy and sci-fi and so i decided to take it to the next level and interview sci-fi and fantasy authors on these books that i'm loving and that are out in the world that people are excited about and get some insight into the creation of these stories and to see how the authors brought these books to life so yeah that's the ink feather podcast in a nutshell. Today's episode is Nikki Preto. Her book, Crown of Feathers, just came out about a week ago, and uh, it was really cool to talk with her about what it's been like to see your first book out in the world and her journey of becoming published and what it was like, you know, getting an agent, losing an agent, going to school for multiple degrees under something that you'd end up not even using, and then what that was like psychologically, and then, you know, the creation of these, this book that, you know, writing what you want to read taking tropes that you love, like the one she uses is, you know, girls dressed as boys, which is really funny. And, you know, Putting your own twist on them, and and what it was like making a magic system that allowed people to talk to animals, which is very cool. So yeah, it was a really great interview, and I hope you guys enjoy. Um, please subscribe to the podcast. I would love to hear if you guys are listening. Please share it on social media. Tag us if you're going to put us like in your stories on Instagram. Ink Feather Books is our is our tag on on everything, and yeah, I just you know I love. I enjoy interviewing these authors, but I know there are people out there who are enjoying these interviews. And yeah, it makes me really excited to see people um, actually experiencing them. So please feel free to tag us and, like I said, subscribe so we can get our listeners up. And now on to Nikki's interview. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Ink for the Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. I could not have picked a book that is more in my wheelhouse if I tried. (laughs) Amazing. It is. (laughs) I... you probably don't know this about me because we literally just met, but yeah. I am a humongous bird nerd. I used to train oh. birds for a living. I have birds at my house. I'm like, Oh my God. Phoenixes are like my, my jam. Oh <laughs> so, no, you're
1: gonna ta- I probably did something wrong. Oh, no, not at bird all. Expert. Not at all. No, it was,
0: I was like, Oh my God, this is so, when, when the first time I saw the cover back when it like, right. I was like, Holy crap. I need to read it's this.
1: very cover. birdish.
0: Well, hi, it's a girl riding on a giant flaming, bird it's fantastic so
1: that's awesome
0: yeah so i i had to get you on the podcast so i was like awesome. oh i was so excited to just talk to you about it and um actually for those of you listening i was just saying to her i'm doing it on the audio which is really cool because the audio has multiple narrators because there's different points of view which has been really neat to hear um, not just one voice trying to change it up like with different sexes yeah. or different male yeah. characters or female points of view it's been really cool
1: Yeah, that can be – like I'm a big audiobook listener and that can be a real deal breaker for me. Like if if a woman can't quite nail a male's voice or vice versa, it can really sound forced, you know, and it kind of jolts you out of the story. So I think it's so cool they got multiple narrators. I was so happy about that.
0: I agree. And I think it can be hard to – even if there are like guy and girl narrators, when the girl's talking like the guy – and like his voice isn't deep enough and then like the the dude the dude narrator has like a way deep voice which the girl could never read reach it can be awkward but (laughs) I'm not finding that with this book it's actually been really great um but yeah your book is newly I'm gonna be cheesy here newly hatched into the world um perfect (laughs) it's been about it's been like about a a week now and and so what's this first week been like that the book's been out for people
1: Goodness. Well, it kind of had a bit of a soft open because it was kind of trickling out to bookstores the past couple weeks, really. Um, People were sending me pictures and stuff online. They had found it in some of their bookstores. So it feels like it was kind of a slow build instead of like a big bang. Oh, okay. Um, But it's been kind of a crazy week. Just, you know, um, we had a big crazy uh, snowstorm here the day the book came out. So I had these great plans to go out and see it in a store and I couldn't leave the house. I was like completely snowed in. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but it was fine. And then, um, I had my launch party. Uh, I'm just outside of Toronto. So I had a launch party in Toronto and the weather was still not great. Plus my cell phone broke that day Oh man. and was just a weird, yeah. It's just been like a weird kind of hectic week, I guess, even besides those kind of random things, you know, just lots of new followers, people tagging you online and stuff, which is amazing. It's just, it's a lot. I think yeah. like, it's sort of overwhelming, I guess. Yeah. I get that. Um, but yeah, not complaining. It's just, it's such a different from your usual life, you know, like suddenly all these people want to talk to you. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's been amazing and it's, I'm kind of glad it's settled down a little now like uh, it's nice to kind of get back to you know business as usual I guess
0: <laughs> well and I saw that even like the book was the special edition book in the in the recent outcrate wasn't it yes yes it's like yes. a different color and had like colored edges or something it looked really cool which I
1: haven't gotten my box yet <laughs> but I've seen the pictures I've seen the pictures but I um I'm like eagerly like checking my mailbox for mine
0: oh yeah um, that's but, very yeah cool. I've been
1: seeing those yeah that's been that's a thing too as soon as the kind of launch stuff sort of died down a bit, then I have all these people um getting their owl crates, which is it's very cool. It's kind of extending the excitement for me. And it was such I was so thrilled that they picked my book. Um, you know, I'm Canadian, it's a Canadian company, so I was just so excited that they chose Crown of Feathers. That was a real cool like author moment for me yeah. <laughs> on the list item.
0: Seriously. And especially yeah. not just choosing it, but choosing to do like a feature edition that it wasn't yes. just like an inclusion of the book. It was a hey, let's right. make it really special, which is very cool.
1: Yes, yes, it's beautiful, like when I saw that artwork, I just flipped too, so it's been so cool. It's been such a cool experience
0: yeah i it's it's interesting, I guess I never think about the influx of of like it, social media, but I mean, this isn't quite the same thing at all, but recently on Instagram, I ran a week long follower we like me and three other people all donated 25 bucks and a like a hundred dollar na- international giveaway and you had to mm. follow all of us so there were people just okay. following and commenting and it was for a week yeah. long <sighs> and i kind of got the same thing i was like oh my gosh there are actual people commenting that i got lost in all of this that are like i'm replying to them like four days later when i felt yeah. bad about
1: that <laughs> so i can't even it, imagine it, it... I can't imagine being a real famous person, like with thousands and thousands of people. I mean, you must just completely, you just can't, I guess. Right. But even you're right. Like even just a few hundred and you lose track and it's hard to, it doesn't seem like these apps are really built for that. Like (laughs) it's hard to track everything. Well, and like, how would you find
0: the legitimate, like your friends and the actual comments, you know, it's, that would be crazy. So (laughs) I, was kind of creeping on your website and looking Ooh. up some stuff. It's actually really Fun. nice. Your photos are great. Oh, thanks. Thank you. And I was interested, you, you, your background is in like art education, fine mm-hmm. art, but yet you're yep. now you are, are you a full-time
1: writer now? Would you? Um, I guess I am full-time. I still do freelance graphic design. Okay. And that kind of ebbs and flows. So some months I'm doing that quite a bit, some months hardly at all. Um, so I, but I mean my full, I would say my, my, my main profession is the writing really. Um, and then the graphic design kind of supplements that, but yeah, it's kind of a weird, uh, detour in life. I mean, so many writers come from really yeah. diverse backgrounds. It is kind of surprising. Like it's one of those jobs where you don't have to go to school for writing and you can go to school for anything and who knows, like what stories you'll tell and how yeah. that comes about. Yeah.
0: Cause it's in the same, uh, broad, I mean, it's an art, they're two different arts mm-hmm. and they're creating. Yeah. But it's very different. And so I was I was just kind of maybe go, huh, that would have been an interesting transition. You were doing all this schooling, you got like multiple levels of higher education, and then all of a yeah. sudden like, I'm gonna write a book. Like how <laughs> talk talk to us about like
1: that. It's an interesting I think that would be an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, so I I wanted to be a writer like kind of right after high school. So I wanted to be a writer before I did all those degrees and everything. I actually, mm. my first, I went and did a semester in journalism. Oh. Um, because, but I transferred out of that. I didn't enjoy that. But, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a good writer and I could, you know, whatever. Like I got, had good English grades. Like, let's do it. But I was really not interested in that. And I think for me, art, it kind of sounds silly because an art degree is not really guaranteeing you any kind of job. That's for sure. But I think I was, I knew I wasn't ready to write a book yet. Um, I was a late bloomer. Like, I didn't start really reading novels till I was, like, 17. Mm-hmm. I was not one of those, you know, a lot of authors describe themselves as being, you know, bookish at a young age. And that really wasn't me. Um, so I had, like, a, I think I knew I wasn't ready. And I knew I would need time. And so I was kind of thinking, what can I do with my life while I'm pursuing writing? Because I knew, I, you know, and I wasn't in a position where I could just be like, hey, mom, dad, whatever, I'm staying here. I'm going to write a <laughs> book. And you don't mind, do you? Like, I had, you know, I had to kind of figure things out. So. Yeah. Um, I always saw myself getting, you know, what you saw online, I did a degree in visual arts, which was like studio work and stuff. And that was really fun, but useless. Uh, But I loved it. And then I did a master's in art history and art history relates, I think, much more directly to what I do as a writer, you know, I love the, you know, world building, for example, is about inventing, you know, Um, worlds and history and so much of our cultures are defined by our arts right our buildings and our sculptures and music and all sorts of stuff so Mm -hmm. I think it ties in more than I even realized when I was doing it but I always thought I'd do a PhD and I wanted to teach art I thought I would teach at maybe a college or university and do that while I wrote books that was kind of my plan but I really hated my master's degree I really didn't enjoy it Um, yeah it was just it wasn't what I was kind of expecting and I didn't really fit in with the other students. So I had to kind of, you know, I finished it and then I had to kind of reevaluate and it was hard to put so much money into school Mm -hmm. and so many years and kind of you graduate and like, well, I can't get a job. And that was a hard, hard time for me. Uh, I guess that was like mid twenties. And then I went back to school to do graphic design, which was much more practical. And, you know, I got a job right away and that was kind of my sidestep, I guess. And it didn't, I didn't need my previous degrees to do that, but I guess they felt somewhat related and I am a visual person. I do love art and graphic design is a good kind of medium place for someone who wants to make money, but also loves art. Um, and then that, you know, once I had that job locked down, I started to kind of really pursue my writing more because I could, you know, afford to pay rent and live and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it was stressful for me. And yeah, so I mean, I guess it's circuitous, but I always wanted to write. I just, I knew I wasn't ready Straight out of
0: school. Well, and that probably saved you uh, some heartache because how many people probably write books right out of high school that aren't ready to be published, and they're like hearts are broken because no one will get it, and they're like, yeah, that's probably because you you're not ready. Like you're at least you you knew that about yourself that you're like I want to do this someday, but I'm not ready.
1: Yeah, I mean it was always like a like it was always a really high passion. Like it, it it was always there in my mind and I always knew I wanted to do it, but yeah, I was I wasn't ready. I didn't know how to start really and I don't know where that practicality came from really, but yeah, I just recognized that it, you know, I wasn't ready yet. Mm. Um and that's I think there are I mean there's lots of young YA authors who are, you know, early 20s and I shudder to think of what my books would have been like at that age, but they were probably like I said before, really bookish at a young age and they were just further along in their journey than, you know, I was, I think I had a, I needed more time. Definitely. I definitely needed more time.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, it's interesting too, because you're saying the mental energy freed up once you could like get the job and were able to like, and not also hate your life too. It sounds like. Yes.
1: Yeah. Like I was a, I was I was waitressing after I, you know, I had my master's in art history and I couldn't get a job. And so I was waitressing and that was a tough couple of years, years um, mm. just because, you you know, you've, I just felt like such a failure in life. And I was working, you know, waitressing is pretty crazy hours. And so I just didn't have the time or like you said, the the mental energy to be writing Then I was just kind of bummed. I think it was like a quarter life crisis for yeah. me. But then once, yeah, once I had, you know, a job I, I enjoyed and I felt like it kind of, you know, it reflected a bit of my education and, you know, so much, I sunk so much money into that. So it felt good to, I guess, feel like I was doing something sort of in my field. And then, but I mean, it was hard too. as soon as I had that sorted out, you realize how hard it is to work nine to five on a computer and then go home and continue to work on a computer all night. That's not great either. So yeah, Uh, there's always something, right. But it it definitely did free up. Like I suddenly felt like I could take the time to really pursue the writing a bit more.
0: Okay. Well then how, how did this, book come about? We're going to talk about the details of the book in a minute, but I, I mean, I guess maybe before we delve into that, like, how would you summarize the story?
1: I would summarize. This is always hard for me. So it's about a girl who disguises herself as a boy, which is one of my favorite, favorite tropes uh, in too. the universe. Oh, I love God, it I so love much. It's so Any good. movie, any book, if it's girl dresses boy, <laughs> like too. sign me up. <laughs> me too. So um uh, girl dresses herself as a boy to join a secret group of warriors who ride phoenixes into battle and while she's with them she learns surprising truths about herself um and about the sister she left behind and all the while the empire is coming and they want to destroy the phoenix riders once and for all
0: yeah i'd say that That's that kind of uh summarizes all the all the main <laughs> the main points so yeah you have phoenixes that people ride mm-hmm. which is amazing mm-hmm. you have um <laughs> you have this amazing magic of being able to talk to animals which hello would be the coolest yes. thing ever <laughs> holy crap right. and i, I guess tuck tuck is this something you were just like oh if i ever write a book i'm gonna i have to throw these things in because that's kind of where i am mentally i'm like <laughs> if i ever write a book i'm just taking all my favorite shit and shoving it into a book like
1: yeah i guess it is so i mean this wasn't uh before this book i had signed with an agent for a previous book okay so this was actually the this was the third novel that i ever finished um the first one went nowhere entered some contests but you know nothing came of it the second one um which was like a sci-fi fantasy mashup cool um signed with an agent we went on submission but it didn't sell and my agent left her agency so we parted ways and i kind of started back at the bottom again that was a hard time as well Publishing. yeah it's not kind. (laughs) Um, and then that was the time when I was like, okay, like I need to write something like I was, you know, I'd been through the ringer with that second book, had worked on it for years and, you know, revised and revised and it can really like, I was just so burnt out on it. So then it was time to write something new. And I wanted to write something that I really loved. And that really, like you said, it was kind of like all my favorite things. Like I just wanted to write exactly what I wanted to read, I guess. Right. Which is what is often common advice, you know, write what you want to read. Cause it'll come through, you know, your love of it. Yeah. And for me, I think at that time, especially like, I don't know if you're a Tamra Pierce uh,
0: fan. I am a horrible fantasy nerd that hasn't read oh. any of Tamra Pierce. Oh, okay. I have right. stuff and I know I'm going to love her, but I'm, I just haven't. It's just, you know, how life is. There's always books. It, there's series. a lot of books. <laughs> but she And she, I
1: know she has a lot and
0: um, yeah, she, trust me, she's on the list. I just haven't yeah. yet.
1: So her, um, she has a couple series that would relate pretty, that inspired Crown of Feathers pretty directly, I would say. And I was rereading her whole Tortal universe at mm-hmm. the time I wrote the book. And I was really like, I think I was going for that kind of, not nostalgia, but it was I was really inspired by the books I had read when I was a bit younger and had, had kind of inspired me to read and write. And so it was, I guess I was almost right. I felt like I was writing something that was a bit of a throwback. Um, mm-hmm. and. You know, I hoped that would make it stand out a bit in YA because I do think it's a little bit different. It's still a fantasy, and there's lots of YA fantasy, but you know, the emphasis on the animals. And I think it has, like I said, I mean, Tamra Pierce is the best way for me to describe it mm-hmm. in the way I was inspired. But that, I mean, she was a huge part of it. But I also had had bits and pieces of it circling in my head for years. You know, like the girl dresses boy thing. I was like, I know I have to write a story like that, but I don't know where or when or what. It was just in my head, mm-hmm. um, and. I think around that time, I'm trying to think, yeah, at Game of Thrones, the TV show was very popular then. And I remember thinking like dragons are going to be big, right? Everyone's going to be writing books about dragons. And I was like, ah, like I'd like to do that, but I feel like there's going to be too many, you know, what can I do? That's the same, but different. And I landed on the Phoenix and I was like, whoa, like that would be really cool. Like Mm -hmm. Phoenixes are incredible and they have, a lot of what dragons have, you know, the idea that you could ride them. I mean, they can fly. Um they have the fire, like they have a lot of the similar elements, but you know, they have resurrection and like they they have unique elements that like I said, same but different and mm-hmm. I thought they might be a unique angle. Um and then things kind of started coming together from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of a mishmash. <laughs> really cool though because mm-hmm. you're you're right, it's it's it, it allowing you to create the whole magic magic around the phoenixes is based on the lore that already exists but being like okay well practically how would a person ride if a animal is on fire yes. like how does yes. that work you know or <laughs> or whatever and how yeah. you work through those logistics it's it's really great um yeah i i just loved i that was my first question was just like why animals and why phoenixes because it is it feels familiar but fresh so mm-hmm. yeah that's
1: I think, again, I think it was like Game of Thrones and I love, you know, the way he treats, like I've read his books too and I'm a big fan, mm-hmm. but I love the way he treats like the dragons, for example, in his world. Like they're not, it's, it's just like a fantasy sort of medieval world, but then you plunk in this element that changes everything. And I just, I love that idea. Like, like I said earlier, I love to world build. So it was fun for me to go, okay, you know, if these existed in this world, how would that affect everything? How would yeah. that shape things? How would that affect, you know, war and and just every top to bottom, you know, the whole art, the whole society would be affected by it. And that's so fun for me.
0: I was just going to say when you said earlier about how they connected, I was it made me go, oh, man, you're right. There is so much reference to art and you know because Mm -hmm. basically the history of the world for those of you listening who haven't read it broadly basically everything was good and then there were feuding sisters and then things got segregated and the phoenix riders became the villain basically Mm -hmm. from this empire and so Mm -hmm. anything that had to do with them in that anywhere in the empire was destroyed so this beautiful art and all of this stories and just this history Mm -hmm. and you know, there our main character is wandering through some of that and talks about it and reminisces on it and and things she's seen and it's interesting now, like going, you're right, how much of a cultural identity was lost there and yeah, being absolutely. able to how how connected it is to the society. So
1: Yeah, that's I mean that's how I came to history in general because I often studied it through art history. Yeah. So like that's my like way in um, to that subject, I guess. And that happens so much in our own history, you know, um, yeah. empires fall and, you know, p- people migrate and things get, you know, the past gets destroyed and it's devastating, you know, when that happens, mm-hmm. cause we lose so much history and so much beautiful art and you know, architecture things crumble. I mean, I'm just so fascinated by all of that. So it was fun for me to kind of write about this sort of like fallen, Fallen Empire, I guess, is a way of saying it. (laughs) Like this kind of lost age of greatness. Yeah. Um, That's a good way. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I, I love that stuff. I love those details. So it's so fun for me to like invent my own. <laughs> it feels very like evil genius. Like I can just <laughs> ooh, what can I make up? What can I, what can I ruin? What can I, what can I rebuild? Or like, so fun. or like, you know, how can
0: I manifest the gods and art and yes, what, yes. It, but connected to this world. And yeah, like we have phoenixes versus the dark and all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you have various points of views in this book we jump between mm-hmm. three main characters um i mean i would mm-hmm. say that our our lead girl veronica is the main character but yes, yes. we kind of get insight to the world and connected characters in in from the other points of view um mm-hmm. was that always the plan going in or did you just want did you realize that the story would be better told having incorporating these two young
1: men's voices i guess Yeah. So, I mean, when I was originally, it's, the story has changed a lot and I did like the idea of multiple point of view. And I think during the brainstorming phase, I thought it might be both sisters. And I did, in my very first draft, we had chapters from both sisters. Um, But when I really fine-tuned the plot, Sev became kind of necessary. He's one of the male point of view characters and his story is um, like sort of almost completely separate. It's from like Veronica's. adjacent, yeah. Yes, but you know, it. I think it adds a lot in terms of tension and building to this, you know, ending. And yeah. I think he became sort of like essential. Um, and then Tristan was actually a later addition. Um, I'm not sure which draft, but he initially didn't have point of view chapters, but I think, I'm not even sure when or where I decided to do that. I'm glad I did. I love Tristan. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think it helped um, establish the Phoenix Riders earlier. Like, I think by having him there, you know, before Veronica arrives, it allowed me to just, it allows you to flesh out the world so much by having multiple Mm -hmm. point-of-view characters. It really, because, you know, sometimes you're trying to figure out how to reveal things, and some characters can't, you know, they can't see all. It's a third-person point of view, but it's very close. It's not omniscient. So I did need kind of eyes and ears in certain places. Yeah, totally. um, And then the story just kept growing wider when we added in like the um, extra content, you know, the historical documents and stuff. Yes. Even those are extra point of views. Like it just kind of, it kept growing, but you know, it helps you make something that feels very rich and hopefully very real, you know, Um, but I guess I always knew I was probably doing more than one point of view, but I didn't exactly know the details till, you know, I kind of dug in.
0: Well, and I love that your initial view was was way more like intimate in scope and then Mm -hmm. as you added it in like you said it it fleshed out the world and it is really cool to see these different people's experiences and their memories around the same war that divided these countries and the Mm -hmm. phoenix riders and 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 the people who talk to animals are also vilified because they're the only ones who can bond to phoenixes so it's Mm -hmm. kind of uh, like multiple layers there and yeah so you know seeing how that how that was from, from their different points of view, also from like a male, female perspective, it's, you Mm -hmm. know, it was, it was neat to, it's neat to be able to read that and experience
1: that. It's funny you said intimate, because I remember when I first started the story, I wanted it to be a small, intimate fantasy. (laughs) Really? A small, intimate fantasy? (laughs) Like, I really was like, trying to keep it really tight with the character, Like I was trying to, I think it's maybe to stop it from being overwhelming because yeah, I do love I, big stories. Yeah. But, uh, it totally blew up <laughs> from there. That's but amazing. I remember wanting to keep it, you know, like I didn't want to have a massive cast of characters and I, I'm not sure I have a huge cast, but I do, especially with point of view characters, it grows. But you know, I, I my first um, outline, my first draft was really narrow. There was probably like five characters and, you know, eventually it has to grow, but I liked that idea of keeping it, tight, but yeah, that didn't really last very long. Wow,
0: well, I just the <laughs> idea of this world you've created being so narrowly seen, I would have been I think it would have <laughs> been a lesser book for that. I really do.
1: Yeah, I and I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's I think sometimes, like I said, I think it made it easier for me to face, you know, like I think at the beginning, yeah. you tell yourself it's going to be a short book. It's going to, you know, like things just to trick yourself into like getting through um, <laughs> and just like, oh yeah, I'll just be a short little, you know, no big deal. Two sisters. Like, Two sisters in yeah. a phoenix. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like 500 pages and like much bigger than it I ever It is a imagined. beast book. The audiobook it is, is like, bit. yeah, it's big. Whew. It's good though. But the audiobook I was like 17 hours. Holy crap. Oh, oh yeah, I know it's it's daunting oh, going through that over and over again. Oh my gosh. It's it's yeah. So
0: funny. It's,
1: but you know, I think I do love a big Epic story. It's like, who am I kidding? Kind of is how I feel Yeah, like that. Those are always my favorites. They're just, they are daunting to write and it's easy. I think for them to go off the rails. And,
0: yeah.
1: So, um, so I wanted to, I think my goal, I think, I hope it still feels like you said, Veronica is the main character and I hope it still feels intimately. You know, I hope we still feel connected to her. Right. I, I think some of the, multi point of view stories I don't like is when you lose kind of touch with the heart of, of the story or your favorite Mm. characters, you know, sometimes it grows to 10 20 point of view characters and you kind of, it becomes too vast or something. So I hopefully it still feels close, even though it's big.
0: It does. And, and, and like you said, you introduced Tristan as an earlier character, but pretty early Mm. on there, he is interacting with Veronica. So their story is, connected so yes. and like you said it's not too
1: separate
0: sebs aside but again still connected with the history so it mm-hmm. connects in um and you were talking too about so um for those of you listening who maybe haven't read the book it in between each chapter are these little like inserts from history from like historical documents or like you know folk tales or of like the older phoenix riders and the creation of these queens and this empires and all of this you know we're getting glimpses into all these different stories that are connected mm-hmm. and i i um i noticed and i'm sure this was a i'm assuming this was deliberate that a lot if not all i can't remember if it was all but i feel like it was all are all about women in some way they're all like very female heavy
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that have... was definitely deliberate
0: okay yeah because you have yeah. like these capable I mean, I, I don't want to just use the gross term of, like, these badass women, but they were kind <laughs> of badass. But it was very, yeah. like, capable, emotionally strong, complicated characters and these, like, people who are changing the world. And they were all, all like, they were all like these women that we were finding out about. And, yes. I mean, God, you wrote, like, this manifesto of of women's <laughs> strength, you know?
1: <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I did. <laughs> no, that was – you're right. I very much – I remember when I was – writing the like the history kind of in the draft like I mean I did a lot of separate documents writing stuff but a lot of it comes as needed as I'm writing okay and I remember thinking that so much in our world it's always about great men mm. and, and and even in a lot of fantasy obviously and I just every time I, I was like okay I need to talk about someone you know like you said someone badass like I need to make it a woman like why wouldn't it be a woman like every time that I wanted to do something like that I very consciously tried to make it about a woman because like I said, just for our own history, it's so heavy on the male point Mm -hmm. of view and fantasy in general has been that way. Although I think it's getting much better.
0: Yes. Um, Especially
1: YA really pushes the envelope there like crazy amount, but I just, that was very deliberate. And I think, especially historically, like when we look at history of our worlds and even some of my favorite fantasies in YA that feature women characters, the history of the world is still very male centric. Um, and still men making the decisions mm-hmm. and men kind of, so I wanted, you know, the war that kind of split everything up is between two sisters fighting yeah. for the crown, like not two men, not, you know, it's two sisters and, um, they, you know, Phoenix writers come from a matriarchal society, which, you know, was just, it was just really, I loved doing that. And that was, that was very deliberate. And, you know, it, I even found my own instinct sometime was to write a man. Like, to think about, okay, I need to write about a really great warrior. I'm like, no, like, don't make it a man. It's going to be a woman. Like, I had to fight my own, like, you know, unconscious. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I've been taught. That's what I've read a thousand times. Yeah, but I I really did want to do that on purpose. And I tried to include – I think I had to actually – it's funny, like, go back in and put men in. Like, I was like, oh, there's no men at all in this history of this. Like, there has to be some kings, right? (laughs) Like, I had to go through – The only one I can call to mind
0: immediately is, like, some dude who was basically murdered by his wife. Well, he was, like, poisoned, and it was, like, some king who was, like, the only one who had access to his (laughs) cup was him and the wife. I was, like, it was her! She did it! You know, but, like, you know, it's, like, they're doing an autopsy of the king, and, oh, he was,
1: you know, natural death. Yeah, right, it was a natural death. She poisoned his ass. You know, like... (laughs) no you're you're right there's not I'd hardly mention any kings and like that was I had to like check myself like okay there would obviously be some men which was funny like I felt like it was the exact opposite of like every male writer is like oh I guess I gotta put in a woman every now and again I felt like it was the total opposite of that but it was yeah like I I did like a in the back of the book there's some timelines and stuff and I remember kind of going through and listing the rulers I had mentioned at some point, and I hadn't mentioned a male ruler, th- except for that one. You just said who got poisoned. And I was like, well, I guess I got to come up with some dudes. Um, so I kind of, <laughs> you know, I had to really like push myself to do that, which is hilarious. That's
0: really, like, it's no funny. regrets, no regrets. <laughs> this kind of ties into one of the predominant issues in the book or issues that the characters are struggling with. The main character is struggling with is that mm-hmm. the current, phoenix writers are all men and that is mm-hmm. uh, by the choice of the leader at the moment and it, yes. there's this like a mystery like what's going on there that's something that's kind of discussed and hearken in like comes up multiple times mm-hmm. especially because that's why our girl you know goes becomes a dude and has to yes. be like well I, I wanna do this and I know I'm capable and if I have to be a guy, I'll be a guy. And so mm-hmm. um which like you said just makes for so much fun storytelling. Oh, so much fun. Like so what were fun. some of your fun God, things talking about like writing that uh, part? Like take us into that
1: because I so I just, many. Okay. Um I can't remember if you told me how far you are in, but there is a, a bathhouse scene. Yes. Which is <laughs> so read Like I was just like, I have to write you know, I had to do it. i trying to think what else. There's a there's a scene, um, where Tristan is teaching Veronica, well she's Nick at the time, um archery. And you know, it's just every little it just colors every interaction, it right? Does. And it's it's also just about the fact that, you know, she's she's lying. Like so any any character with a lie is juicy, right? Like any character who's hiding who they are in any way is always fascinating and then this is just like a fun little spin on it i think it adds actually a lot of humor too like it just becomes a bit more fun for me um it's very much like mulan was a huge inspiration for me as well and i think there's tons of mulan in veronica and tristan <laughs> i and, you know, felt the, that
0: yeah i yeah there was this i don't remember what specifically but there was something that i was like this is very mulan-ish and there's also yeah. um like a few other just things i've seen or experienced over the years where a girl was pretending to be a guy and I was like oh this is it's such a fun thing to play in you
1: know yeah it's I mean there's been some funny um have you seen uh she's the man it's uh yeah so like that movie, I just like, I have so much fun every time I watch that movie. Cause it's just, <laughs> that's, that's like the epitome. It's, it's almost more fun because it's nowadays and they can kind of like have more jokes with it. But I mean, it's just such a fun, I, it's just tropes, right? Like they appeal to us. We're not exactly sure why, but we love them. And we love, you know, if you love a trope, you'll never get tired of it. Yep. Um, you'll read it, you know, in a in hundred different iterations. And I just, I, I was so excited to get a chance to do it, but there was, you know, I did think like, when I, you know, came up with the idea that the Phoenix Riders were going to be all male, but I didn't want it to be like, this was, this is kind of a new thing. And Veronica's like, what's going on? Like there's been female Phoenix Riders since the dawn of time. Like she's, you know, pissed about it. And I kind of liked taking that angle to like a lot of the girl dresses, boy in fantasy is like one that's a Tamra Pierce. Um, it's called Song of the Lioness. Mm-hmm. She, she wants to be a knight. Um, and knights are only men and that's very much entrenched in our world. And that goes back, you know, that was just the way the world was. And in in my world, it actually, it's almost a a regression. Um, and it's, it's kind of an isolated, like I didn't want to make another world where women were secondary, um, in general. I mean, it's, it's happening in this instance. Um, and Veronica is going to fight, you know, that's, she's not cool with that. And, um, and you know, Tristan's not like, I mean, the characters that I love and that I relate to don't agree. And, you know, it, I liked kind of having it be an isolated thing and not making it the whole world. Cause I think I've just seen enough of that. So I, yeah, you know, I right. had to use it for this kind of, you know, plot device, but I liked that it was kind of strange. And that Veronica's is like, you know, look at this history. And then the whole book is about the history of these women being yes. capable. And it's just him kind of making a short sighted decision.
0: Yes. And, but it also, like you said, it gave you the opportunity to play in the Mm-hmm. Girl dressed as a boy, which is like a yeah. good comedic. Yeah, I think that in the scene you're talking about with uh, where he's teaching her how to shoot a bow and arrow, mm-hmm. he like puts his hand on her chest to tell her to yeah. take a deep breath. And she's like, yeah. his pinky's like an inch from my breast. Oh my God, yeah. I can't breathe deeper. I'm going to, you know, she's like, I'm gonna and he's like scolding at her.
1: Like, dude, yeah. breathe. And he's like, okay. You know, like it made yes. me laugh. It definitely made me chuckle because it's, yeah, I guess it's a bit of lightness. Like, I mean, I don't think, you know, I guess the story is a bit dark, but I, I think darkness is, all the more powerful when you have light too, yeah. you know, like I, I love when there's a balance of both and a little bit of humor and a little bit of romance and everything like it. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to like super dark, dark, dark books. So this was just like a perfect chance for me to like lighten the mood. I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's like, it's still relevant, but it, you're right. That has these moments where and she's trying not to feel anything too. Cause she's like, yeah. I don't have time for this. And then she's like, yeah. why am I blushing? <laughs> I oh got crap. To do. <laughs> yeah. Young love
1: is so fun to read. It
0: really, it's fun to read too. That's, yes, uh, I it love is. it. Reading a YA as an adult is just, cause you know, remember back in high school, I was actually talking to my mom about this the other day where, you know, like, like two years you date somebody and you're like you're in high school and like you hold hands, like, yeah. <laughs> like the first kiss is your first kiss ever. So it's like so much more of a it's big so deal. Important,
1: yeah. And like,
0: you know, dating Definitely. someone in high school felt like forever you oh, know yeah. it's just—it's everything's a, heightened, everything's yes.
1: extreme, everything's very because everything, like you said, everything's the first, everything's the you know, there's everything's loaded, yes, um, with meaning. And I think we've all, you know, we can all remember it and connect to it. Even if you're still in your teens, you remember being a bit younger, or you're, you know, you're going through it at the moment, and like you can really, like, yeah. feel that like raw. I don't know. And I think for me, like I, I think one of the reasons why I love to. Right YA. I mean I loved being a teenager, had a good time. But um I think that's that's when I got into reading. So I think it's like imprinted on my mind like that was when I really got became a reader was when I was a teenager. So I, I just like I feel like I connect the two. Like, I don't know, it just feels right for me to, to write in that age. It just feels I don't know. I still identify so much with everything at that age, you know, like becoming who you are, yep. figuring things out. I still identify so much with all that. <laughs>
0: well, what are you working on now? I think I saw you were working on book two. You posted about it online or. Yes.
1: Yes. I am working on book two, which has been. Well, it's it's longer than book one. Woo-hoo! Is, woo-hoo. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I thought I had dodged the second book curse, but I have not. And I realized kind of late in my sort of deadline scheme that I have to rewrite a lot of it. Mm. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I am I'm in the dark place, you might say. Um, but it's, it's going well. It's just, I have a lot of work to get through. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's hard when I've got book one coming out and all sorts of other like obligations and, and events and just distractions. And it's Um, trudging.
0: It's not fun writing. It's, it's, uh,
1: you know, gutting. So, you know, it's, it's hard psychologically, I think to take great big chunks and delete it. And, but the good news is is like, you know, I spent a long time re, you know, rejigging and replotting and I'm like really excited about the new, like the changes I'm making. Like, I think they're so much better. So that's that's a good, that's a good feeling, even though it's like, okay, I just have to like get there, you know, (laughs) I just have to like pull it off. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's, you know, it's been, yeah, I mean, it took, it's a long book. It took a long time to write and I'm still, you know, that's, I I revise a lot. Like that's kind of part of my process. I like to tear things apart. I like to, um, mess around. So this really is kind of par for the course. It just, you know, it's hard on a deadline. This is my first time creating an entire book on a deadline Mm -hmm. and that's different for sure. Um, but you know, of course, book one came together much like quite fast, really compared to this one. That's just how life, you know, you don't have a clock ticking You yep. do it quickly. And then when you have a clock ticking. And it's book ready. two, like you said, you have to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a different experience because I've noticed like my first drafts are usually on the leaner side, but this first draft was very long. And it's because I know so much straight out the gate, you know, in book one, first time you're writing the book, you don't really know everything. So you kind of just skim over parts and, and it goes quicker. But now I know every character. I know what everything looks like. I know. So it's just, everything is bloated right away. Cause you know, so much more. So hmm. yeah, it's uh it's different. It's definitely different, but I'm happy with where it's going. So as long as I can survive this round of revisions, I think I'll be okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you had any time to read? I always like to ask Ooh. authors any books that they would recommend. I have.
1: I got some good reading in January. Uh, I just finished. Um, I don't know if you read the Three Dark Crowns series. I haven't read those Kedara yet. Blake. No. Those are those are really great. If you like, in my book, all the like matriarchal backstory world building stuff. Her books are just like rife with that. So I just finished the most recent one. There, I love those books. I'm trying to think. Oh, I read a debut. Where is it? The Light Between the Worlds um, by Laura Weymouth. Okay. Um, that was like. It's about. It's kind of like a riff on. Narnia and what happens after you get back to the real world. I don't know if you've heard about that one.
0: I have heard of that book. Cause I remember yeah. it, I, it was, I remember reading the summary and being like, Oh, that would be interesting.
1: Yeah. I love those kinds of, it reminds me of the wayward children series, um, by Sean, uh, Sean and McGuire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that kind of like, you know, a story about stories a little bit. And it's about that kind of like portal fantasy. Uh, you know, I, I just, I loved it. I loved Laura's book. Um, I just read that one pretty recently too. And it just was sort of sad, but beautiful, mm. and oh, I love that one. What else have I read recently? I love talking about books. What oh, do I got here? Oh, my God, I know.
0: Here. I'm, like, staring at my bookshelves like, what have I – I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know what I've read recently. I'm- I have to keep the Goodreads list or I'll-, I'll forget, honestly.
1: Right, yeah. I usually keep a document on my computer. I'm sure I'm going to grab it right now because I just <laughs> love talking about books. Oh, my God. This is my This is my happy place. Um, I have – I'm. I get really, like – I go through phases where I'm reading a ton and then I can't cause I'm just so bogged down in the writing debt. Like I find I'm so tired. That's why I do a lot of audiobooks. Yep. I find them like a, a midway, like they're not as exhausting as reading when you've been staring at your computer well, all
0: day, physically too, with your eyes. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you
1: can actually rest your eyeballs. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I read the captive Prince trilogy. That's not YA though, but Ooh, I like that a lot. That's, um, C.S. Picat. That was really good too but I I read a ton of fantasy. Like I know some people can't read their own genre when they're writing it, but I always do. I always read it a ton. It's just, um, it's my jam. It's my happy Uh, place. Me too. I hear you. Yeah. I just, I I gotta stick with, and especially I find if I'm really tired, I like stick with what I know, (laughs) you know, like I don't have the energy for something new, but I do have to branch out more, but yeah.
0: Um, thank you, Nikki, for talking with me about, oh, of about Crown of Feathers and your characters and your story. It was interesting to hear how you kind of got to where you're at and how it's going and um I'm glad. And how you told the story. And yeah, guys, this book's really great. It's really fun. It's it's there's a lot of wonderful, like you said, there's a good balance of history and you know character development and then there's mm-hmm. magical world and you know, just so many neat ways of them um, like them talking with the animals and interacting with the yeah. animals is very cool Love so that. yeah it's really great so all right thank guys you. um tune in next week and again thanks nikki and okay thank you so much bye bye